Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Marhefka, and I am excited to bring you the following conversations with some of the most interesting people I have ever met. When I set out to start recording the Fully Expressed Podcast, my intention was not to be the biggest, the most listened to, the most profitable podcast, but my intention was to be the most vulnerable podcast. And so as I interview our guests, my desire is to bring up stories and share experiences that they haven't shared before or they don't share regularly, to let us into their world even deeper so that we may learn and grow from their stories. And so far, we've certainly done that. Please check out all the episodes we've recorded on Spotify, iTunes, and all the other platforms. And if you love this show, please leave us a review, let me know, and also share this with a friend who you think might enjoy it. Lastly, if you want to support this show, please go over to trainingcampforthesoul.com. Training Camp for the Soul is my company where we do emotional healing, inner child work, and we teach people how to truly transform their lives. This show is completely funded by Training Camp for the Soul, so if you want to support me in the show, please go check out everything we have to offer over there. If you want to see the show notes and anything more about this podcast, go to chrismarhefka.com slash fully expressed. And then lastly, go over and follow me on the Instagram at chrismarhefka, where I share my own personal stories vulnerably, openly, and honestly. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Marhefka. I'm here with my brother, Ryan Kemp. And Ryan, I know a little bit about what you do, but I'm actually really excited for this conversation to dig deeper because I noticed we were just talking about it. I went on a long float last night and some things came up after our lunch conversation that I'd love to talk about in the work that you do. And you're Correct me if I'm wrong. Regenerative leadership coach, consultant. Yeah. 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 Both of those things would be applicable titles. Mm -hmm. It encapsulates a lot, a lot of other things. I think names are very limiting. It's interesting though, to throw labels at things, you know? Yeah. Because there's so much depth to them beyond what we can capture with that word. So, yeah. I find that the feedback that I've gotten on some of my episodes where I, started out not introing and then I started introing and realized it's it's it feels a little bit like clunky and cumbersome for like the unique individuals that I have on but I've I've actually found that most people have just listened in for the first at least 10 minutes to really feel out the guests totally and yeah because like we were talking about earlier I imagine we're going to flow into some things that neither of us have any awareness of right now <laughs> yeah and hopefully they're interesting for the listeners beautiful cool so let's kick it off tell us a little bit about why you do what you do today it's interesting to go about it as a like with the why because it feels a little bit like it was out of my control there was something within me that was seeking something. And whenever I allowed myself to continually follow the seeking, I ended up learning more and becoming more of who I actually am. And it seemed to have led me into the place now where I'm beginning to witness and understand that there's no difference between 
spirituality and yoga and these different aspects of our life that sometimes we compartmentalize into spirituality versus reality or a day-to-day life or what we buy or how we act through a lot of the traveling that I've done at first doing grassroots development work in Central Africa, in Myanmar, some places in the Caribbean and the Hawaiian Islands. All of these worlds just started to mix and the work that I've ended up doing now, or at least at this point in time, is sharing how our businesses and the way that we function in the world can merge with nature and the deep wisdom that is within each and every moment. And we can call that regeneration because life in itself as a system is regenerative in the sense that it continually provides itself the conditions for self-organization into a wild, ecosystemic, collaborative framework. And if we can actually begin to learn from nature and mirror natural systems, understanding that we are a part of nature, right? We're made of the same elements that the soil is. How do we begin to live into that to understand how the planet's built itself, really? which is regeneratively, and then we can do that in our lives so that we don't become degenerative or parasitic or extractive to the point where humanity can no longer live. So my experience, I guess, combined with all of these different things and now ways of seeing, it just makes sense to merge it and kind of did it on its own. And it's called regeneration, or at least this is the lens that I approach it through. So I also provide this framework for people as a guide through some of my own experience, like Jnana yoga, living in India, studying Ayurveda, learning about grief. How do we intertwine all of these aspects to become a leader that sees in a specific way, is a way, they are the walking prayer, and then the skillfulness to do that on a level that creates change. So that's my synopsis. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. And you talked a lot about living with the cycles of nature, the flow of nature, the regeneration of nature. Because this is a term that I imagine is getting thrown around more and more these days is, is started to yeah. regeneration. So what does that mean to Ryan to live in a regenerative way? There's the practical, pragmatic, quantitative way that I can do that in the world, deriving from the fact that we exist in a material realm. But then simultaneously, I think there's an aspect of regeneration that's so deeply intertwined with the understanding that you are spirit and having gratitude for the gift that is life, that that's not necessarily a way that it can be measured in the same way that is like, I can reduce what I consume or for businesses cutting carbon emissions. I mean, ultimately what it is, is regeneration for me is infusing life within each and every cell of your being. I think that's done through expression. I believe that that's done through authenticity and truth. And so there's aspects that, I mean, the word is so hard to encapsulate, right? Because it's talking about life. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an individual regenerative capacity you can have within your health and wellness, within your interconnection with spirit and the understanding that you are all of that, not on a superficial context, but like really understanding that you are all of it. You don't need to necessarily seek love. You are love because if God is everything, then Not only the state of love that we look to get to is already what we are, but we don't need to find it anywhere either. And all of a sudden, we start to see that we are the natural world. And if we view life as a mirror, what's the mirror saying? So acting in that accordance. I'm going really esoteric, philosophical into this right now. That's just where I'm dropping into. But Yeah, it's beautiful because, and actually I want to, I'm going to briefly oversimplify and then you can go back to esoteric. 
because I want to ask this question. Yeah, I'm going to oversimplify the spirit side that we are all spirit. We are all God and then the material world. And so do you feel that or do you see that our one is an entryway for the other right now at our point in civilization? Do like we have to go through one first to integrate them? Or do you mm. see a, the potential of going either way or at the same time? Yeah, that's the paradox of duality. It's like if we didn't forget what we had, would we remember that we had it? And this whole thing about how humans evolve and, yeah, like you said, material, it's like you're born formless, you then are formed, and then through the external world, you remember the internal world that you're formless again. And the way that we kind of move through these things feels like the way that the world is now and the way that we are witnessing ourselves, like it's medicine. And for me, this is the deepest meaning of medicine is that it awakens a health beyond our physical form within you that really shows you who you truly are. And did that answer your question? In a way that, yeah, that works. That works for sure. Yeah. I think realistically, it's like, there's no way that we couldn't go through the things that we're going through now Uh because then that would be the case. So there's almost, what's the way to look at it and where are we moving through and are we operating in this nonlinear place of time, in which case it's like, what's actually happening here? (laughs) But I think the only thing that is real is the fact of reality. And if these are the things that we're encroaching, we can utilize them as trail markers on the pathway back to living in harmony. Mm, mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I mean by the medicine, the synchronicity, the view into that. What were some of those trail markers for you? I think one of the first ones, like we just talked about material, right? It's like, certain animals starting to see certain animals starting to witness numbers and different things like this conversations that I may have had would pop up in three different places. Then it's like, that's a portal, which just means that it's a place to touch into, to see what unfolds. Mm. So following those things that at first they're labeled coincidences, but if you shift the emphasis, then it's a coincidence. Mm -hmm. So it's a synchronistic fluidity in that, in the sense of what's happening for you to follow what's being displayed to you. Yeah. So some of the first signs for me, the Celestine prophecy is a beautiful book. I'm not sure if you've read that, but that talks a lot about signs and synchronicity. So those were probably the first things that came up and I don't know, this was maybe when I was like 17, 18. Ironically, that was a book that was in my awareness five times before I finally picked it up. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) it's wild like you can't even draft it you can't create it it's just creating with you Mm -hmm. you know it's like we don't do it it's we are doing it Mm -hmm. yeah Um, i could go really deep down the signs and stuff i mean the matrix is so cool for that reason (laughs) yeah right like he's like follow the white rabbit it's like well what's the white rabbit in your life Mm. what's the thing that continues to pop up that you maybe aren't acknowledging Mm mm-hmm and it's like as soon as you have it as a thing, you start seeing it and it's there all the time. But like, mm. it's like, oh, that's a thing I'm paying attention to now. Right. It's yeah. expanding your awareness. Uh-huh. Imagine everything like that was just uh-huh. in your awareness. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh-huh. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or maybe not a lot. Maybe it's just. It is. It just is. Yeah. So if we can tie this conversation to the state of humanity now or the state of the world, the state of civilization, how 
did we get so far off track or is it just like the process of forgetting so that we can remember again just collectively you go deep on this i like this i fucking love go deep (laughs) this is fun the state of the world you can really speak about that in like the current event state or just like in general right because there's so many far removed from yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so interesting if i'm to bring in the panchakosha on this one which is a yogic image of five sheaths and it's interesting because at the middle of the sheath well you start on the external with the physical body then you go into the breath and the breath then touches the mind so through the body and breath you can touch the mind that's the third inner sheath of the panchakosha then beyond the mind you get to wisdom and beyond that you get to pure self so like the state of the world is almost this ripple effect out from a place that is all-encompassing so in the current state of the world i just think really where we've ended up is the over individualization of ourselves and we've gotten really caught into survival and i think there's collective patterns of lack of safety and collective patterns of codependency and collective patterns of all these things that result in us like a bull in a ring like holding our ground in that then projects this difference onto the world because we don't believe that we're actually safe within it. So it's like this ripple effect from in to out that creates the reactions of, I think, all of these. These are just symptoms. Polarization is a symptom. I mean, even in Vipassana, they talk about the root of desire is split into craving and aversion. So either you want to associate with something or you want to disassociate. Yeah. Yeah. So everything I think comes to the root. And how do you actually get to the root to be truly peaceful, right? The yin and the yang, the middle is the Tao. Mm -hmm. So all of these things have the middle way. And Vipassana, they talk about equanimity, which is essentially non-reaction. And it's not that there's no passion or that there's indifference, but the reaction, it's a response. It's in accordance with the circumstance as opposed to rooted in time, which is a future projection out into what something that you want or a past misinterpretation of that now could be the same as the past. Mm. Can you explain that one a little bit more? Yeah. So if we think about the future or we think about the past, they are things that haven't happened at all. So when we bring them into now, we're not fresh. And when we're not fresh, then that means that we really can't approach a situation from an innocent state in order to gauge the situation for what it is in reality, as opposed to something that we want it to be or that we thought it had already been. And what do you mean by not fresh? Just like not here? Yeah. So for example, right, let's say that it's very easy to recognize this with like deeper patterning, like with relationships and stuff like that. But let's say you hop on a bus and you have 75 cents and the bus driver, it's a dollar and you go to put the money in the thing and you automatically assume that that guy is going to be mad at you because one bus driver got mad at you once and the way that you put the quarters into the machine is the way that you would have done it if you were mad and you're just creating this thing in your head on like a very subtle level but energetically it creates a ripple and i think what it creates is that it feeds back into itself if it is a mirror Mm. so i've never thought about it like that but that's actually pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) and then and then we're here for (laughs) 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 so really it's uh something like that you know cool that's kind of what i mean so 
Yeah, I had to regather myself for a second. Yeah. Laughter is so cool. It is. It just takes over your whole system. In order to reduce the polarization, we have to stop being trapped in time. And what that means is just decoupling things that are no longer real from reality. And it's like this, what is it called now? Is it augmented reality, mm -hmm. AR? Yeah. Where it's like Pokemon Go and there's all these layers yeah, on top of reality. Like that's how we actually operate. Yes. Right? So like we can call this the veil of illusion, the veils of illusion. And I've thought about the word available recently. And a uh, in Sanskrit, the A normally stands for without. Mm. So like avidya, for example, versus vidya. But available means that there's A without veil. Without veil, yeah. So how do you be truly available yeah. without veil? And that's presence, right? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I love pulling apart words, man. So I uh, so fun. love it. <laughs> so this is, we did go. We went deep into esoteric. I'm curious, both for myself and like how I speak in the world and also for you, how do you integrate the way I think about it is like my internal knowing from experience. How do I integrate that into, for instance, the work that you do in the world? Because when you speak with someone, you've had very different experiences with them and they're talking with you for some reason that they believe that you can support them in this mission and help them along. And so how do you communicate all that in a way that someone who hasn't had the same experience can latch on to? There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I think that where I find myself is wanting to and already have, how would I put this? Interesting. I also was looking into your eyes and then like almost lost the words, which is interesting. I don't know if that ever happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. Could you actually repeat the question? Yeah. And I'll also use like an example. There's just recent 12 hours ago for me. One of the challenges that I have in my work is oftentimes communicating into the limited form of words, like words are so limiting. Yeah. It's basically like labels. How do you communicate the experience and the knowledge that you've embodied along your journey and experience to people that are wanting to work with you in this realm of regeneration or mm. any consulting work? The example that I was going to use is, is last night I was in the float tank, had a really powerful experience. We floated for like four hours and it was beautiful. And it felt like multiple lifetimes. And so when we got out, my buddy was like, tell me all about it. And I was like, oh, I was like, I can't. Totally. I can't. I can't. I can piece together a few words that like you may relate to or an experience you've had. But yeah, the best way that I could, could say just from my own experience about how to go about it is that was my best shot at or best effort at creating the course. It was like, mm -hmm. what was the pathway that opened me up to understanding my interconnection with nature. Mm -hmm. And that also coincided within my life with ways in business to approach things to actually make sure that they function in a practical three-dimensional context. So it just, it depends who I'd be talking to. Yeah. Ultimately, they're both individuals because businesses are made up of individuals, but it's definitely a different approach because I think really, and where I'm getting at and with my approach, which combines, I mean, I don't know if you want me to go into like the 
materiality analysis and like there's all these things about sustainability throughout the entire process of how do you actually analyze the stakeholder chain so there's like actual processes here but i think that the deepest one and which will naturally create the processes themselves is if you understand the deep connection that we have in the sense that we are nature and then from that point you have the skillfulness to function in a way that harmonizes with it so it's almost the syncing up of our functionality with the connection Mm. it's almost like a synapse that's disconnected in a way it's like the way that we've built the systems extracts from our home so how do we now synchronize the way that we function with the way that the home works so through various different techniques that actually can unfold in business i mean and this goes into esg this goes into environmental social governance things that make sure that the environmental aspects of like energy, waste, water, you can like dive deep into all of these sort of sections to just look at where a business is, is functioning. And essentially for me, going in it like a doctor, that's my goal. Like, oh, is your knee hurt? Is your tongue? What's wrong? Yeah. Look at the being and see that it's an organism and then begin to treat the organism. And there's different ways to treat it. And ultimately you have to reinvigorate the heart. Mm. I was going to say, is that really the simplicity of the connection you need to make is just we are nature? And then if they get that, you can move forward? Or is there any more depth that people often need to understand? To- you mean to function in a skillful way doing, yes. doing the yeah. connection? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you, and this is part of what the course looks to provide is there's a framework and a playbook that we function by that you can analyze a being. Similar to like going to a medical school, you can like look and see this is how you would look at symptoms and how do you address the symptoms so they have different techniques probably with different tools and different stuff to do and similarly you can look at an organizational organism like that and have techniques and things to go in and heal that organism yeah or that's the way that i view it (laughs) can we visualize for a moment sure what would it look like in your view if we were living in harmony with nature what would the average person's life look like? How different would it be? What would we be doing? Yeah. What I've begun to realize within myself is that how different would it look for me is like, how different does it feel? Because the way that it looked wouldn't necessarily need to change a lot. Mm. Maybe from this point in time, for example, if we really optimized all of our systems. Mm. But I feel like that's a critical, important point because I think there's a lot a fear, I think, around change with people. And if they feel like it's going to be a a catastrophic change in what we've grown accustomed to or comfortable with, I think it keeps people stuck from even taking the first step. Totally. Yeah. And especially to think that I think all of us, maybe most of us, we're privileged to have eyesight. (laughs) (laughs) To like find my way into that. But basically, we really attach to the physical world. Mm-hmm. We really attach to the senses. So the way that it like looks and feels in the sense of the physical environment, the way your home is set up, like what you see on the street, the trees, the birds, it might not actually look dramatically different. There might be more birds if you're in a migratory path, or there may be start, things that start to emerge. Nature begins to rewild itself, right? But it's more about how do you feel when you walk out of your door to go to your job? How do you feel when you see your neighbor? Do you feel safe on the street? Are you eating really delicious, nourishing, organic foods? 
that aren't frozen or overripe or under like just how nourished are you from life and it's very interesting that you really do cling to the senses so much because yeah so the where i'm going with this is that the world itself would feel a lot more safe it would feel a lot more equitable it would feel a lot more inclusive and these words are also thrown around but what that really means is that we become so human that we understand that we're all family and you don't function in a way that harms your family because your family is an extension of you. So we expand the definition into the way that we feel in such a safe and peaceful manner where there doesn't need to be competition for you to get more land than your neighbor because you're together and you slowly begin to re-togetherize or tribalize, whatever you want to call it, the understanding of our family. And then we can extend that to animals and we can extend that to everything. And I think if we function in that way, we're all going to be happy. And I think that that's really the point of life is joy and evolution in whatever capacity we want to say. What needs to, I was going to say die, that feels like a harsh word, but. That's oh, a good word. Decompose. Is yeah, word. that's dissolve, decompose is what I was feeling. Is like, what needs to decompose for that to be our reality, for that to be born out of? The boundaries of who we think we are. Can you go into that a little bit more? <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> totally. Just for yeah, more depth. Yeah, I think when I understand yoga, Sanskrit word for union, what's really being talked about is how do we remember that what we truly are is not limited to this body and our conceptions of ourself, our name, all of these things. So ultimately, as we begin to expand beyond the threshold of who we think we are, we begin to encompass more, are aware of more, you sense more, you feel more, you're deeply interconnected with everything. And that's our current state of being. But I mean, it's getting back into the veils, right? It's all kind of the same thing. And this is where I've ended up on my journey is like spirituality is sustainability. Ascension and descension are needed for both. We need to continually download and do all this information, but we also need to upload and learn from the earth because a spirituality that's disconnected from the earth is just not functioning in a holistic manner. So like the yoga and it's all leading to the same place really. Yeah. In your experience, and we can go into this from like a agricultural or just like a, the average person living their life. Do you feel that our advancement from a technological perspective has potential to support in this journey or do you think it's going in the wrong direction whether technology is being used as a tool for good yeah. uh, or a tool good. for evolution yeah yeah of consciousness i was speaking more from the natural standpoint of being in harmony with nature but yeah there's a couple ways right like technology when immediately when you say the word i think of internet mhm but yeah, technologies in the regards to actually be harmonizing or biomimicking the earth. I think solar and wind, and those are really beautiful for now. I mean, they're not renewable. That's just another word. Yeah. <laughs> it seems that, and I actually don't know offhand, but I would say so since we're leading in this direction, is that it's a lot healthier for the environment to produce and get all these sort of resources and metals and other things that you need for the panels and the turbines. It's way better than burning coal. Yeah. Or different energy producing methods, natural gas. 
but it takes somewhere for the metals to come from. It takes somewhere for the rubber to come from. It takes some, so it's really interesting because it's like we're advancing into it, but we haven't reached the point that nature has reached. So I think these solutions that we are like reducing plastic and changing it to plant-based bioplastics and using that for road instead of oil. And I mean, plastic is from oil as well. So how do we start using different materials as well as just really deepening our understanding like agriculture, right? Mycelium networks are so key in agriculture. And the way that we've treated the soil has essentially depleted that and bleached it, killed it. I forget the percentage, but it's an alarming rate of the land in the United States is not even alive. Yeah, yeah. So the more we are disconnected from natural systems and the ways they work, we're essentially finding our way back to them. And that feels like what the use of technology is for at this point, although it has contributed to massive amounts of harm in the world. I think to look at it from an optimistic standpoint is to see that technology is reintroducing on a mass scale, slowly through time, the deepest parts of the human experience and looking to save our species or at least for this species in this chunk of time. Because like that's yeah. a whole nother thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Earth is 4.8 billion years old. That's what yeah. we say, like based yeah. on some number, and yeah. satellite, whatever. I mean, I don't even know how they tested it. Maybe they got some good method. <laughs> I'm not up to date with geological testing methods, but <laughs> there could have been, and there has been so many different beings on this planet. Yeah. So really like... Your view is so limited. <laughs> it's so limited. <laughs> I do like these silly little stories that we put in a book. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's so strange. Mm. And I find myself in these states of mind a lot. And today I'm just in one of these very contemplative states. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to be kind of discussing because I'm like, yeah, you're seeing the corners, yeah. like nooks and crannies. Uh huh. But it's such a gift to be alive. It's actually wild to think about. Bananas just grow from the ground. Boop. Yep. Things are growing with flavors and colors and they nourish our bodies and we breathe. Yeah. We just breathe. We just... Our hearts are beating right now. Our, yeah. Like a heart. Yeah. <laughs> and really feeling into this has been a practice of mine because it makes you realize that life is wonderful. Mm. And I know that I'm in a privileged state and there's a lot of people around the world who are suffering. From my experience now, what I'm really realizing is the awe and the wonder that can come from life. And I actually don't think that, and this might be one of the contradiction, contraindication things, right? Is we automatically assume that suffering itself. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think that it's important to know that in moments of pain to really trust, that's just what's coming through. Yeah. I'm feeling like even just making the distinction between pain and suffering. Yeah. That's an important They're one. usually used pain and suffering together Mm -hmm. and they actually aren't yeah 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 suffering is something in this case you're saying is attached to mental yeah the mental judgment of the pain Mm -hmm. yeah and pain itself would just be a physical sensation sensation yeah pleasure pain really even we could say those are the same as well it's just the sensation that we're judging Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe there's some biological differences in our systems, but yeah, just sensations in the body. Yeah. That one's, uh, haven't completely figured that one out yet. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is just kind of the gradient that you may find yourself in 
the state of ripening of union. Explain that one a little more. So, for example, certain people may conceptually have started to merge pain and pleasure, for mm-hmm. example. Or like there's different, the bleeding, kind of how the colors are at sunset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they start to bleed into one another. Like those sorts yeah. of states start to become less and less defined. Right. Well, I mean, I've even experienced that in my own journey of learning to track and process and feel through all sensations. And Mm. if my judgment of it is out of the way, then it's all relatively the same. I move through it and the experience And Joseph Campbell says this is like any emotion felt all the way through is bliss, any Mm. emotion. And I mean, that's my experience as well if we just remove the resistance to what we're calling it and what we're making it mean, and we just move through the sensation, the way I describe this, and I had a little four hour experience of this is just like the greatest roller coaster ride you've ever been in is like tracking the sensations, the energy in your own body. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. And not jolting the car. Yeah. Just yeah. Stopping it on its tracks. Yeah, exactly. Because then you don't finish the ride. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It just came to me. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to love the corkscrew. I went to like Universal Studios once. Mm-hmm. Dueling Dragons was Dueling Dragons ride. was dope. Yeah. That ride yeah. was absurd. <laughs> I remember my head would like rattle. Oh, yeah. As you go over the flips. <laughs> wow. That's a long time ago. I know. I remember I had a moment a few years ago where... I was in my 30s at this point. I'm like, what is this doing to my body right now? Got these like wooden roller coasters that are just like rattling my <laughs> spine around. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah. Tower of Terror was, <laughs> that one was fun too. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Epcot. I went to Epcot once too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. a, it was yeah, a Mor- you're, Moroccan you're, belly you're dancer. Florida guy as well, right? Yeah. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, originally from Massachusetts. Yeah. Beautiful state, though. The beach. Gotta love the beach. Lovely, yeah. Yeah. I love the ocean. I was just going to get into, like, a highly controversial question. I'm going to ask it, and because I was going to say, like, are the beaches still going to be there in Florida? Are they just going to just gonna change? There might just be less land. Yeah, yeah. In the, the middle of those beaches. probably still yeah. be there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the sand itself, but, I mean... Is Florida sand from Florida? I believe so. I don't know. I've <laughs> never thought about this. Yeah, because... Do they ship sand in from places? Yeah, when I was in Dubai, they shipped sand. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure that's not... Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dubai would be the only place they ship sand in, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. I, yeah, I forget where it was from, but it was... There have been a couple places, I feel like, they've shipped yeah. it. To get, like, the white Australian beautiful oh, sand, yeah. for example, or, like... Mm-hmm. The sand that squeaks when you walk on it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's some of my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super fun. I think where I've experienced that, yeah. In Oregon, there was an Oregon. It was the recent time, the feet squeaks. Feet squeaks, yeah. I still <laughs> like that. <laughs> From your experience, because you've been in this world for a while, what can you share other than some of the obvious of like, we're really pillaging our environment? I just want to ask directly, like, what do you feel is really happening with our environment and our interaction with it without having traveled to the places that used to be full of glaciers i mean i was in alaska and the yukon and the glacier from talking to one of my friends there who's hling it 
she told me the glacier is nowhere near where it used to be and the glaciers are essentially going away. So from witnessing things like this and having traveled and been on the beaches in Ghana near Labadi Beach, I think it was maybe Tawala Beach was where the most plastic was that I saw, or beaches in Vietnam, you see the plastic. Even in Hawaii, you see plastic. Really? Yeah, and two of my good friends, Bailey and Ali, and I have started up a nonprofit on the Big Island of Hawaii to work on diversion of plastic, conversion of it into non-single-use items, and then education of it on the island. Because there's just a lot. So, I mean, we can witness it. It, It's not often witnessed in a day-to-day function. Like Because a lot of the areas, or at least I think maybe where most listeners would be, we don't get hit with the majority of the deepest effects like Haiti or Haiti. They always get hit. The Bay of Bengal, Bangladesh, and different places. I mean, I guess in the Gulf, in this part of Texas, it's gotten hit a bunch. So there are these points around the world that really, really feel it. But unless you go out of your day-to-day kind of ritual life, you don't necessarily see deforestation. You don't necessarily see a lot of these things. Like they're pretty well hidden, which I think is part of the trap or not trap, but it makes it less easy to grasp. So you have to actually expand your experience to witness it normally. Unless you like drive up to five in California, right? Like you smell the factory farms. Yeah. So like, unless it's like stuff like that, it's really not in the day-to-day periphery of people. So I know I keep falling into these tangents, but I think there's specific ways that you can go about improving your life with it. I think the first step, and I think a lot of what we're talking about keeps looping back to the same first step, which is awareness. So like expanding your awareness of what's actually happening in the world and whose land you're currently occupying or noticing the birds and forming a relationship with the people around you and like that reconnection just automatically continues mm-hmm. it's a force in itself yeah the expansion that's just a force i feel like it, contraction may also be a force but expansion is also a force and yeah yeah the expanding awareness for me feels like the beginning and that's just from my own experience with traveling right it's like the awareness began to expand so that you started to question things that you used to believe were real mm-hmm. and that you used to believe mattered that whatever happened, right? There's questions. There opens up a space and most of space is potential energy. So it opens up a space for you to begin to break down these rigid defined characteristics of who we think we are. And I think that that's really the experience of the unknown is expansion. Yeah. When, uh, as you were just talking there, something just came through for me that I've actually been embodying is shifting my perspective from ownership to stewardship. Hmm. So I think about even the cups that we're drinking out of. My intention is to think of them as I'm currently stewarding these materials. Mm -hmm. And for me, just that shift, it's like it creates a lot more like care and intention with everything that I do. Like I'm Mm -hmm. renting this home, but I feel like I'm stewarding it for this time. Mm -hmm. And accountability yeah responsibility Mm -hmm. yeah which naturally comes with a gift Mm -hmm. right it doesn't necessarily come when we purchase something because we've commoditized the experience into and robin wall kimmer goes into this rights over responsibilities Mm. so when we purchase something and within that exchange we just believe that the responsibility has now been shifted and we own it therefore we can do whatever we want with it But if someone hands you like a beautiful cup 
you're not going to treat it in the same way as like a cup that you got for 10 bucks. That's just like the white traditional, you know, versus a handcraft. Like there's just an entirely different feel. And then Mm -hmm. naturally the way that you function is in reverence of and protection of and stewardship of these things. And so yeah, ownership, stewardship's a huge one, which we can say is the same as consumerism to citizenry. Yeah. How do you leave the consumer realm and enter into a global custodian? So, yeah. And I find that it's a perspective that, that a lot of people, even people in my circles of friends and I'm sure yours, like it's not yet in the awareness because I think there's some block for so many of us that were conditioned in this consumeristic consumption world. And I don't know, maybe I just credit, like I grew up in the woods. Like <laughs> I, I literally did. I mean, I, my home in Virginia backed up to the forest and I just grew up literally in the woods and, and have backpacked thousands of miles in, in the U S and just, I think it's just for me, it's spending time out. And what I notice is, as I've started to embody that more, like I would always embody it when I was out in nature. And then I had like a moment where I was walking my dog in this neighborhood and I was like, why do I not have the same behavior here? I'm treating this like a different place. So I like, for instance, I pick up trash from on the trail, mm-hmm. like wrappers and stuff. And so I started picking it up in my own neighborhood and like really taking it, that stewardship very intentionally. And I noticed when I'm walking with people, it's noticed and my joy in getting to explain that perspective of stewarding this land, stewarding this neighborhood and having a sense of responsibility. It's yes. Yeah. That's the integration, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things that came up as you were sharing there. And that's beautiful that you've begun to implement that because it is, it's like, it's abnormal to see someone pick up plastic Mm -hmm. on the street. It's like, why is that abnormal? Yeah. But the first thing that came up with you as a kid with the woods was your relationship with nature was not recreational. Mm -mm. It was a relationship versus let's go on a hike, right? Hiking is beautiful, but hiking is a recreation. You then go out for a couple hours and then come back and you're, that was your time in nature. Like your time in nature is separate from your other time. Yes. So that was the first thing that came up is like, even that is a limitation of the expression of our own wild selves. And our wild selves, meaning self connected with nature and those cycles. So from that point forward too, and the fact that you've integrated it from the forest to here, I mean, really you're just seeing that the environments themselves are other little kind of veils in a way. Like why do we carry ourselves different in a business meeting than we yes. do here? Yes. Even to connect it on that level. It's mm-hmm. like we operate in different ways in different places as opposed to just, just stable right in yoga they say stiram sukham stable and comfortable Mm. or stability and comfort and that's part of the mission of yoga you just hear you know yeah i love that that was exactly the question that came up it was like if this is a value of mine out there how is it not a value of mine here it's the same earth yeah yeah and that's the mirror right Mm -hmm. there's different ways we can see it Mm -hmm. yeah but it's all us was it Shenandoah Valley? No, I was about two hours from the Shenandoah Valley. Yeah, so beautiful, like northern, northwestern DC. Yeah, but I have spent a lot of time there. A special I've place. Hiked about half the AT up up through there. Yeah. Did you go the southern to, half. to southern yeah, half? So southern you didn't get up to Berkshire? No, not yet. Not yet. Nice. <laughs> I say not yet. I've honestly haven't 
done that seriously for probably five or six years. Yeah. How many miles would you do a day on average? I guess it depends on the terrain for depends sure. Depends on but- the terrain. Depends on who I'm with. <laughs> Back in those days, <laughs> I was the yeah. most endurance fit person I knew. You were just say, crushing yeah, it. Crushing it, yeah. Yeah, like I would go like light day pack stuff and do like 30 miles a day. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. Yeah. 30 miles is a lot. It's a lot, a yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm wondering what the longest day is. I've done 11 mile maybe somewhere. That's pretty good for like a full pack. And, yeah. yeah it's oh, like the a day good pack's day. like a camelback style. Yeah, it's, it's actually over there in my day pack. It's a little bigger, yeah. Nice. Carry a tarp with me and stuff, yeah. Just in case they get pores or something. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite times, this was with maybe like a medium pack. I don't really even know the sizes of them, but doing the base camp for Annapurna in Nepal, that's a place that's just so stunning. Yeah. That's a place I'd love to return back to. There's a lot of different, maybe 24, 30-day sort of like excursions. Those mountains are magic. But I've been wanting to go a little bit more on the AT. Yeah. My cousin did the PCT. I met a bunch of people out there. You see them crossing through like Shasta and like, Different towns, you know, just up there about a month ago. Yeah, that's so magic. There's that, there's one good brewery in that town right now, <laughs> the junction. Yeah, it reminds me, you know, what it does more than anything is traveling in my own country. It reminds me of the beauty in my own backyard. Amazing. The United yeah. States is magic, magic, <laughs> incredible. Like, I still catch myself in the glamour of traveling internationally, but what we have in this country is second to none i mean it's with the diversity that we have and i mean include hawaii in there and they've got yeah yeah. (laughs) alaska uh, Alaska. (laughs) yeah yeah. both are magic i mean there's yeah and ultimately the magic is everywhere too you know and it's like nature reminds us really how deep and real magic is yeah even the way the light comes through the trees that always gets me yeah if it tints or there's like dust or like something in the air you know i was gonna say like off of a waterfall when there's like cast the water kind of cascading uh, through the air mist and lights like shooting through it it's uh yeah <laughs> like actually <laughs> yeah incredible the best movie you could ever watch for sure <laughs> yeah it really is <laughs> i joke and halfway serious I, I talk about some of my first what I would call now spiritual experiences all happened in nature, all of them. Mm-hmm. And one of them was I just went out solo and didn't see another human for four days. And I just found myself just laying and like watching ants or just like <laughs> watching leaves blow in the grass or something like that. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's enough. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll do it. Watching an ant. Yeah. You know, like every single thing brings us yeah what brings you back i'm saying that under the assumption that you like me get hooked into material world and what are some habits or practices that bring you back to like that intentional integration of living in harmony can't even say i really live in harmony all the time you know sure yeah and that's what i mean i was assuming but yeah i, I mean this is the, i also have like yeah it's a practice I think everything's a practice yeah I mean like you just mentioned right being in nature really brings you back especially if you're truly there not somewhere else the breath is a beautiful tool and thing that connects us all at this point similar to how we were talking about 
how you function in the woods might be different than you function in your neighborhood. Really, it's the same with meditation, right? So I think I'm cultivating in my life ways of meditating all the time. And I think that that's decreasing the time spent apart from wonder. And for me, that feels like meditation. (laughs) Those aren't super practical things, but I mean, nature, breath, and I think they can feel practical for people that are already practicing. But if someone is not in the practice of intention or yeah, mindfulness, then yeah, that can feel like a stretch. But I imagine most people's goal in their practice of meditation is to extend it off of the cushion and into their life. So Mm -hmm. it's finding what ways can you do that. Yeah. Simple example you said, right, is picking up plastic. Simple example is you see a homeless person on the street, you realize they're human. You have extra food. Do you really need it? Do you need it more than them? Attempting to continually be in romance with your partner. How do you date eternally? Can we cultivate and maintain that space? And all of this is really just little networks. You're just touching together these parts of ourselves that we limit in our expression or we weren't taught to express in that way. And it's just all coming back. Like they say in Ayurveda, Danvantari, he recollected the knowledge of Ayurveda. He didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like none of these things, it's, we're really recollecting the knowledge. Right. It's like the same, I think about it as the same idea of stewardship. It's like, I'm stewarding whatever wisdom, knowledge comes through me and sharing it. It's not mine. I didn't manufacture it. And right. Yeah. Even <laughs> just the idea of taking credit for anything, really. I mean, even when I drop into such a beautiful state of creation, whether it's writing or like, Mm. I'm not uh, like me as me speaking right now is not there. I'm just not there. It's coming through me. Mm. Totally. Is it Hafiz or Rumi? There's a beautiful poem that compares the human to the flute that the divine breath blows through. Yes. And yeah, writing is definitely one for me that also feels like that. So you see something, all of a sudden a poem comes through. Yeah. I love a buddy of mine here in town. He always says, like, want the divine to play me like a fiddle. <laughs> like, just like a violin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- Appalachia style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So as we're wrapping this up here, where can people find you? Where can people dive deeper into the work that you're doing? Yeah. Connect with you, work with you? Yeah, there's couple different websites, one of which is my personal website, which you can find information about the Regenerative Leadership Academy, which, I mean, we just really dove in today. This is the depth that I guess that I'm currently sitting within. But the Regenerative Leadership Academy looks to kind of nurture and guide people into a depth of understanding of interconnection and ways of seeing the world integrated ways of being in the world, which is really recollecting information from past peoples and other systems. And then how do we actually implement that in the world? So that's what that course is about. That's on my website, www.ryanjkemp.com. And then there's Pueo Consulting, which is the quantitative arm of this. So how do you actually go about in your organizational life, taking an inventory of your organization's health and applying methodologies to heal it and synchronize it with nature? And you can do that and create a lot of value 
for the business. And it's a myth that sustainability and business don't go together. Yeah. I think they do. I believe that too. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what Pueo is. That's P-U-E-O dot consulting. I'm on Instagram at Ryan J underscore Kemp. And we definitely went in. Yeah. I feel like I like went into this really very, very esoteric spot, which is cool. So thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, it, it's thanks kinda, for being here. It's kind of funny that you like discover things while talking to uh-huh. each other. It's uh-huh. so cool that that's a space that can be cultivated. This is as much a, as a selfish as it is a selfless endeavor, this podcast, mm-hmm. because I enjoy every one of these conversations and I learn so much. And even things like we experienced today, they just light up as we connect and share ideas and intertangle those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny because then after podcasts, I'm like, what did I even say? Yeah. I, I never you know, like know what I, I say on I podcasts. I never yeah. remember. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Honestly, I think people that listen to this show, talking to you guys out there, I think they get it. And I think they're tracking, at least curious and interested in these conversations. So they mm. wouldn't, they wouldn't be listening. So mm. <laughs> I'm a very, in case you haven't figured out, a very nonchalant, zero given about this show. Cause I feel really it's titled fully expressed and, that's the most important thing for me is that these conversations are honest and vulnerable and authentic and it's going to reach the right people. I really believe that. And so the people that want it, crave it, learn from it, grow from it. And yeah, also have some fun too. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. That's a beautiful intention. So happy to to be a part. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Happy to be a part, never a part. I love it. I wanted to ask you as we close out. Do a freestyle? <laughs> you want to do a freestyle? I was going to ask you if you wanted to play a song. Oh. Or just like a piece of one or something. You were playing right before we hopped on. So I wanted to ask freestyle or guitar? Mm. How would the guitar work? It would just be heard through. Yeah, I'll put my mic up to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love how we're figuring this out in real time, by the way. <laughs> I've never done this before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think we could hear it? I could also just bust a freestyle quick. If you, you whatever you want, man. If you give me this is an invitation. If you give me one word, then I'll freestyle about it. Don't make it like orange. Nature, you can. Ooh, nature. <laughs> to summarize this podcast, uh-huh. nature, nature. You gonna give me a beat? Okay, just like a. Nature is something that we never leave, but we always seek. It's like, <laughs> what's going on with that beatbox? I'm, I was trying to focus so hard on what, what you were beating. I was like, I just realized like I'm having struggle focusing on both. Oh, man. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was about to do it. Was like, it was like drifting off. <laughs> Yeah. The tabla? You've heard the tabla? No. It's like... 
and it has like these really cool functions. Like you can drag your hand on it. It's like, what does it look like? What is this instrument? The tabla yeah. has two heads of the drum. Okay. It's like a long horizontal drum with two heads. Okay. And normally people play with like both. There's bass and different cool. notes. Cool. But one of the things they do with tabla and I don't actually play, but like I listen to Ravi Shankar and Ali Akbar Khan, a couple of these other people, and they noises to describe the way that you drum. So it's like, and that's like the way that you hit the drum, huh. but they memorize through also, or just, I mean, not memorize, but one of the ways that they learn it is through verbal. Like stuff like that. Yeah. It's really cool. The tabla. Tabla. Ali Akbar Khan really beautiful has tabla in his music Ravi Shankar Anushka Shankar a lot of beautiful artists Debashish Bhattacharya this one guy has the song Sufi Bhakti which is just an amazing song I think I've heard that before yeah that's not yeah that's like some sitar or sarod yeah. I think but yeah I love music yeah yeah anything else you want to share before we uh, close this out I'm good brother we can close it this was lovely yeah thank you thank you appreciate your time today aloha Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Fully Express podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed this vulnerable conversation with our guest. And if you enjoy this show, please leave us a review, share it with a friend, and let me know if this has impacted your life in any way. You can message me directly on Instagram at Chris Marhefka. And also, if you want to support this show, the show is fully funded by my company, Training Camp for the Soul go over and check out trainingcampforthesoul.com where you can find out about our online programs, in-person retreats, and lots of free offerings where we're helping people to transform their lives radically and permanently. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you so much for making this dream a reality.